Yeah, like you said, you ended up doing six six records, right? Six albums, four left. Yeah, six albums. Yeah, so um, Steaming Hot came next in '82. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, mm, let's see. Okay. the title track was like a pop funk thing. Um, I know you got another. That was that was like a cameo funk jam right there. That was that was serious funk on that one. Mm -hmm. um, I think it should have it got to thirty two on the chart, yeah. but yeah, that one is. If uh, viewers and listeners don't know that one, you got to go. It was infectious, infectious. That's what that one. It was yeah, I like that. So who wrote that one? Um, a third, a third, a third on everything, man. We don't play that game, you know. Who did this? Who did that? Yeah, but but I mean, it was not an outsider. You guys did it. No, no, no. That's us. That's us. Yes. Yeah, that's a cool one. And that one had the uh, remake too, the Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, which hit pretty good mm -hmm. for you guys. Yeah. Um, was that the label's idea or your guys' idea to to redo that? Or mm -hmm. I think it was um, more of a go ahead and get that done get that tribute done because you know i think it was just it might be a par for the course kind of thing you know what i mean i don't know why we attempted it but it, it wasn't bad we didn't we didn't butcher it so <laughs> that was, that, you, know, you don't you don't play you don't you don't play with that and um that that just again that that's a testimony to to our competence you know and them telling us you can do it go ahead you can do it we had we had people that were giving us all the confidence we needed, so that's just a testament to us jumping out off the porch. Yeah, I think that was around the same time that Roger came out with Grapevine with his remake of Grapevine. So there were some definitely some uh, remakes that were hitting it at that mm -hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was coincidence or whatever, but I believe that um, it was just in conversation the whole time, and it took three albums to get to it, probably. It, it probably might have been up front in the conversation in the beginning, but we got to it later. So I think that was just, I think we just wanted to get past that so that conversation would go away. Mm -hmm. Are you going to do an oldest, are you going to do an oldest song? Whatever. But again, we didn't, we didn't butcher it. So I'm proud <laughs> of that. Yeah. Back to basics. Uh came in 83 um another strong record i thought actually overall better than steaming hot um the title track reminded me a little bit of confunction on that one mm -hmm. um again i hear like barquet's influence um you know again you're not you're not you're not copying them but the influences i'm hearing sure. on that one sure. um and that one, you started getting a little of that electro-funk influence that was coming in at that time. So um, you want to talk about that a little bit? You guys were more open yeah. to a little more electronics at that time. Yeah, we had started to, um, the first couple of albums, we were we were using horn string sections, horn string sections. We were really using real orchestration. And those are, that complemented our sound too. I'm glad you brought that up. We have, horns arrangements string arrangements out the box out the gate big stuff i mean room full of them the ray chu we had great 
people around. I mean, Russell was putting some great people around us to do horn arrangements and, and string arrangements. It was amazing. So um, those songs were pre-drum machine because I was playing the kits you know, back then. We were playing everything. Then I think the third album is when we started to tickle around with more of that electronic sound. And I think that's what you're hearing on stuff like Steam and Hot. I think I'm still playing drums on this this here though. Yeah, this stuff is still live, live, live instrumentation. I think it was just um, I don't know, maybe Steam and Hot. I think when you got to back to basics and you got to stuff like um, um, Moon Rock, you know, this that comes next. Yeah, yeah. But this stuff here, I believe a lot of this right here was written actually. At the ranch, those Reddings Ranch. A lot of these songs they on here. I think that we were like spending a lot of time there, hooked up in the studio at the house, writing this stuff. I remember "For You" that ballad, and uh, "Follow Me." Yeah, I think we were home writing some of that stuff. Maybe. But, um, yeah, we were still playing live instruments. We didn't had hadn't got to the drum machine yet on this. Well, back to basics. You got that record there. Back to the basics. Yeah, eighty-three. That that one, hand dance. That was another hot funk track right there. Okay, we moved on now. You you went past. It looks to kill. Um. Yeah. Well, went steaming hot then back to basics, right? Yeah, you could be right. Yeah. yeah. All right. There we go. Yeah. Okay. The hand dance was a real uh, funky kind of arcade style track and. Yeah, that'd be great for us. Yeah. Who you think you're messing with? Uh, another uh, funky track again. Michael Jackson, a little influence on that one, I think. Yeah. I like hearing these references, man. I never, never heard that before about our music. You know what it relates to or anything like that. That's so, what. Yeah, that's what I. That's cool, man. That's dope. Yeah, that means you listen. You put these things on and you take them in. Oh yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really cool, man. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that I wish I still had all the I used to have thousands of, of vinyl records and I foolishly got rid of most of them, you know, when CDs came in. And I see that you still have them, so I'm a little envious of that. Yeah, my my wife is always collected them. I can't take the credit for it. She's been in music retail all of her young life, so we collected from the time we got married. And um so we still managed to hold on it. We had to just throw some out, got water damage, but that broke our, broke our hearts. But yeah, we still packed up pretty good. Got some good stuff in there. And my six improvements. <laughs> yeah, Hand Dance did good, man. It, I still play that song. It's yeah. A fan, it's a fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw it, um, that only charted to 76, I'm like, come on, man. That should have hit, you know? Which one? Hand Dance. Oh, yeah. It did good in the South region, you know. It didn't, like I said, the push, we never got the push. The songs were there. The yeah. songs were there. The songs yeah. were there. I, 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 it had nothing to do with us, but the songs, they were there. So at that point, it's out of our hands, you know, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, was, that was the only—that was the only frustrating part about our whole career for me was we had a lot of hit records. Could have been 
bigger records, why they didn't get the push will always be a mystery, but um, you know, this is a this is an awesome catalog of work I'm very proud of. You know. Should be. I am. Did did you guys um do any TV or, or music videos at that time? We have one video. We never got to a video until the last LP. Call the law. Okay. That's the only video we recorded. <laughs> And the only audio we have is in in, Ger in Europe, in Germany. It's on YouTube. It's about an hour performance on YouTube. That's the only audio we have of live performance. Well, now we have the Apollo. I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, we have some stuff now. Well, yeah. did, did you guys um, do Soul Train, though? or We never did Soul Train. We never did. We did... Um, we were doing a lot of live shows. We did more touring than television. You know, we did some stuff in Memphis for some award shows, and just a little. It was always like certain things, not mainstream things. You know, we were doing things like people didn't see. We were, we, were, we were going to a lot of events that you never saw. They were everybody was there, but it wasn't. It was VIP only stuff. You know what I'm saying? So. Hmm. Soul yeah, Train might have helped. We didn't do Soul Train. That might have helped us uh, some of those chart positions. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit. Never know. yeah that <laughs> would have helped. Now, I regret that one, the Soul Train. Well, we didn't do because um, because you know we had Shalomar. We were right in there with the Shalomar stuff. Dynasty and, and the system. Midnight Dynasty. Star. Yeah. Uh, uh, Star Point. Silvers, all that stuff, you know, we were right there in that. <laughs> yeah, Atlantic Star, all that. Yeah. It was cool. It was a cool time, but we didn't we didn't hang around all these people, man. We were like really I don't know, we were like self-contained. We still we were always together. We were just really competitive, you know. And and we didn't really care about hanging around people, being friends with no one. We were like always trying to prove something that's the way it felt to me you know like we were always in my mind they don't think we're good enough and so well, we make a lot of fun <laughs> what was your most uh, unforgettable memory from the road with the reddings oh man i don't um i don't know my most i think the it has to be the Rick James experience because that's the one I always go to that I can just, that I still hold on to that gave me that, that pep talk. You know, he's the one that gave me that pep talk. Did, did you take it hard when you saw him kind of, you know, going downhill and all he went through? Oh, of course. I, I, I feel for anyone that has such, has that type of, that much to offer to the arts. And then, you know, take, you know, things just, yeah, yeah that's always sad for me because I, I go hard for the arts, you know, and for musicians. And I just hate to see, see them fall off or just, you know, yeah, that was one of the big ones for me. Him and, um, and well, he, I personally, him, because like I said, he gave me that, that, yeah, shot I mean, the I arm I needed. yeah, he gave me that shot in the arm I needed to, to, to arch my back and go, I belong here. That yeah. was is the words he spoke to me, you know. And so, 
That's what I hold on to. Yeah. I saw his show um, in 82, maybe at the Los Angeles Forum, and it was fantastic. I mean, well, James, you know, I got a chance to open for James Brown, James Brown. So that was a highlight uh, in Florida. I opened for James Brown with my rock band. Wasn't even with the Reddings. So this after the Reddings, when I moved to Florida, I put together a rock funk funk rock band along the lines of um, Chili Peppers, Red right. Chili Peppers type of thing. It was still funky, but it was. I got a chance to work with. Um, oh, I'm skipping over some things. I got a chance to work with Richie Super. Wrote amazing for Aerosmith, David Bryan, keyboard player for Bon Jovi. They wrote, I guess, some uh, big rock ballads they wrote for me. Never came out, so I got a chance to write with these guys and to them to mentor me with my rock band. We had a deal at Warner Chapel on the table that fell through. Then I what, what's the name? What's the name? Under what name? Skin tight. Skin tight. I was in. I went to Florida. Had me four funky white boys and myself. Mm -hmm. And we went crazy. It was a really good thing. Um, I did that for a label, So So Deaf. Jermaine Dupree's early label when he started out, he had, it just did crisscross and they signed me when I left the Reddings. And I went to Florida. That's how I got those opportunities. So did a lot of things, man. Wrote with a lot of heavyweight people. Well, I'd like to hear some of those tracks. Oh, I got you. Oh, I can't wait to get so I can publish some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, because I'm a Chili Peppers fan too. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were hitting it hard with that, and that was um, I kind of was getting some angst out. You know, I had tried the R&B thing by myself; it wasn't catching on. They were still investing money in me, and um, and um, so I said, I'm gonna do something different. So I went out and did. I always loved rock and roll, so I went out and put this rock thing together, and we got. All the way to New York City. We were when that was back in the day in, in Florida when they would bring down all the uh, they would still the labels would bring down the labels would come to Florida to do showcases. ASCAP would come down, BMI would come down, they'd have these showcases. And so I was winning these showcases down in Florida with my rock band. That's how we got to Warner Chapel. So that fell off the table also. So I've been I've had these near misses, you know, these almosts what? my career. Let's step back for a minute, then we'll jump forward to that again. All right. um, so the Reading, so they came to it, uh, the last album. Uh, well, you had If Looks Could Kill, which you had mentioned before. Yeah. And um, they had In My Pants, which was another kind of cameo. Well, type, that, was, that was Larry. Larry, uh, wrote, Larry wrote that. There you go. Larry wrote that, and um, we worked with Larry and Charlie Singleton, the guitar player. Now, that's my... Where did I love go? Now, how come in my pants wasn't a single? It wasn't even a single at all. It was. It was played. It was played. I don't know if it was officially released. Was this album? Um, it maybe was. I got a list of singles here. It doesn't show it. It was released at, because nothing else on here was I can think of was like a single. Maybe Parasite. They might. Par Parasite was a single. Yeah. Um, where did our love go? Yeah. Where Did I Love Go, Charlie Singleton wrote, which is my, that's probably my greatest vocal performance in life. So how'd you guys connect with uh, the Cameo guys? Well, you know, they're right here. And they were in Atlanta at the time. That's right. Yeah. So Larry would come to Macon, grabbing up musicians, backup guys, because um, Michael Barnett was the bass player for a while for them. 
from Macon. He came and got from one of our local groups. Um, he was on Single, Single Life, and a couple of other ones. You know, he replaced Aaron for a little bit. Rest in peace, Michael Burnett. He's from Macon. So Larry would come down, and right now he's got Willie Morris performing with him, but still a hometown guy. He sings back up with them right now. So they actually talked to me when I when the Reddings were no longer, we were no longer playing. I spoke with him about getting with him. He came down to Macon, talked to me, and I didn't join, but he wanted me to do some work with Cameo. I, I didn't do it for some reason. So he would come to Macon and recruit. And um, maybe little oldest hooked that little connection up with Larry, I believe. Maybe got that little writing situation going in. So yeah, we mobbed up with him, went up to Atlanta to his place, knocked out in my pants. Where did I love go? Yeah. How did Larry strike you? What, what kind of cat yeah. is he? He's a confident. He's a he's he's like me. He walks. He walks and he talks and he can prove it. I, I love him. He's he's always been that way. He's like he, he he walks in the room. You know he's in charge. That's how Larry is. Very confident. He's a gentleman, but he knows he got that thing. Yeah. And Charlie Singleton, you know, Charlie did a lot of work in the studio with Larry. You know, Charlie's a man. He's a, he's, he, Charlie's quietly a great guitar quietly player. Quietly one of the greatest songwriters. And good players, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he yeah, yeah, he's one of them dudes. So we hooked up with them just them being close in Atlanta and it just kind of happened. Atlanta yeah. connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He would come down here and recruit. He did the group cash flow. which was one of his side projects. Mm -hmm. That lead singer is what my first that sang with me at 15 as the Jackson five. That is saying for that group he, for making, he was my first partner in us thinking we can sing. So, <laughs> So making us that hub, man, you know, we can it's still a lot of talent here. Yeah. Yeah. Eighty six, um, or no, eighty eight, I guess it was. It wasn't until then. So you, you guys had like a big break from eighty five to eighty eight before your yeah, final record right. came out. Well what, what was going on sort of during that that period? Did you were you thinking well, the the writings might change. break up then or, or what? No, we didn't. We, that was the transition from um, CBS over to Polydor, Polydor thing. You know, we did the last two was for for Polydor. Yeah, it looks the kill and the self-titled Reddings was the last two was for them. So it just took about a year and a half, maybe, for that transition. You know, to get off that label, off of CBS, and on to another one. So it just took it took a little while. So that's to make that happen. We didn't break up yet. We've never broken up. So that last one eighty eight though, I mean, um you mentioned Call the Law and that was yeah. one of the biggest hits actually chart wise for the group. So um how come no more albums after that one? After that one, I went through a personal crisis with my with my uh, mom passing, my dad passing. My mom and dad passing. I had a family uh, issue, hmm. which kind of made things turn a little bit. And, it was, and before you know it, a lot of time has passed. And um, 
but I think it was the perfect storm. I think it was the time for us to grow up. You know, all of the eighties, we were doing that. We had no, we had nothing else going on. You know, that's all we could do. So we had never had a chance to really be away from each other, grow, you know, be men, know what we like separate from each other and all of that. Shit. So that kind of happened. Well, Otis, Otis was about the age that you were when the group started at that point, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I said, o Otis, when, when, when the Reading stopped in 88, Otis was about the same age that you were when the group first started, right? Well, he was early 20s then, yeah. I think somewhere around in that night. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe still in 19, 20, 18, 19. Yeah. But he was very intelligent. He's a very smart brother. What 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 they go on to do? Because I haven't heard much from them. Well, um, aside from just the you know, the personal lives, you know, having to take care of the state, being in that, you know, just being that is a full time for them. You know, carrying on that legacy and holding it up, and um, you know, the Otis Reading Foundation, a lot of things that they do. And they're entrepreneurs, you know, always have been. And the mom always has been. So hmm. that's what they do. They still do heavy, you know, and they still do music. We we did um the Apollo last year. And um, before that, we came home and did a concert here at home for the Otis Redding's 50th anniversary, birthday. And last year, we did the Apollo. Um, that was a tribute to him at the Apollo. So we did the Apollo about a year and a half ago. That's on YouTube also. When, when did you guys last perform Reading songs though? At the uh, auditorium here when we did the, as, that was about two and a half years ago. We came home, did the 50th anniversary of his birthday, I believe. I think it was 9-11, it was his birthday. That's when we played some of the Redding stuff. The Apollo, we primarily did. It was a tribute to him, so we did all Otis stuff. Yeah, I did a ballad called um, That's How Strong My Love Is. Dexter did Shake. Otis Jr. did Knock on Wood. Then we had the, the legends there. had King Eddie Floyd. Uh, one of the girls from Destiny's Child, you know, and uh, Aloe Black, yeah, great concert. Yeah, I've seen some clips from that on, on YouTube. You can see them. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So, um, but since then, you know, I've been, I've never stopped performing. You know, I've always been on the road. I moved to Florida. I've done so many things. I, I worked with Clarence Reed down there, Blowfly. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, too. You familiar with Clarence? He had some dirty raps. Yeah, I worked with Clarence for. Uh, on his lap, I, I wrote maybe two albums with him. I toured Germany with him, and uh, I got game from him. We lost him a couple of years ago, so I did that. That's that's on my resume. I love him. Hmm. I have that parody thing, you know, like naturally, and um, that's how we connect. Well, he was looking for a keyboard player, and um, I just kind of went on MySpace and saw that, and I I called him up. I emailed them or whatever, and they called me up and said, yeah, man, you know, come check us out. So I knew 
of his name. And I had known, I knew the record cleanup one. You know, he wrote cleanup one for Betty Wright. That was his probably biggest contribution, cleanup one. And a host of other records over there on TK Records back in the day, early mm -hmm. TK stuff. So when I met him, he was Blowfly, you know. And uh, I'm like, whoa, what the heck is this? But it was so funky. I'm like, man, he is, he is out there, but I don't even care because the music is so funky. His approach to what he was doing, it was just so, I just got a chance to just express myself in a different way. You know, I started writing parody lyrics with him and we we destroyed some hits, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we went over to Germany a couple of times and over to Europe, man, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you've, you've really been around some interesting yeah, things, man. Absolutely. Quietly, man. You know, it's been an amazing journey that nobody, you know, I, mean, I haven't I have shared, I would talk about, because I'm still, you know, I'm still active, you know, I'm still in the game. I'm, I still feel very relevant. relevant. My son is in hip-hop. I produce hip-hop music. I love hip-hop because it's, I love West Coast hip hop when I first heard it coming around because they use Parliament Funkadelic a lot. Gangster rap, yeah. Gangster rap stuff. So I loved that sound. Me too. And uh, East Coast, not so much, but um, so I, I still write that stuff. I work with young guys. I always like being around the young people because they're, you know, they're the next thing. And I like to stay right up in there. Man. Yeah. But yeah. So I've had some interesting experiences. Still am. Um, <clears throat> did you also I was looking at some credits and did you also work with Tyrone Brunson yes and, and the normals yes um, Otis and I produced Tyrone Brunson's stuff Otis Jr. yeah Smurf yeah Sticky situation, yeah. Yep. That's good stuff. And he came from, um, he worked with Osiris, who I've had on the show back uh, in D.C. D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Tyrone was a bad man. We lost him, rest in peace. Um, but, yeah, we worked on his project, Otis and I, and that was fun. I did a lot of keyboard work on that stuff. That's all my keyboards. Yeah, and a lot of lyrics. another bad bass player there with you got you know yeah it was perfect storm right there right yeah yeah <laughs> that was cool we did some good stuff man you know this and then you had your own record sneaking out after midnight what so which one is that it sneaking out after midnight I wrote I I, I have a song I see it on my statements. But that title might be it, and I don't even remember doing it. But. That ain't you? Hey, man, I got about 100 of them published, you know. We, <laughs> we, we, we've been busy. We were busy. So I, I, I always recognize a couple of things on my statements. I'm like, where did the title come from? But whatever. It's, it's there. Yeah. I also want to mention that last record, um, so in love with you it's robert brookings yeah it's like um a little more like sort of the systemish kind of influence on on that stuff but um hot bass on that track man 
That's that's keyboard bass. That's oh, that's a synth bass. That's Robert Brookins. Yeah, that's yeah, Brookins. yeah. Brookins is from the West Coast. Rest in peace. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, Stephanie Mills. Yeah, Robert Brookins. Awesome, he was. So he wrote. Um, we co-wrote that album with him. And this was when, uh, you know, we worked with Hubert Eves also. Backtrack a little bit. Early on, Hubert Eves did the D-Train stuff. That's right. Yeah. This is when the synths and the drum machines were heavy. We were used. that's that sound. That's that sound. Those drums, I'm so in love. All that is program stuff. So now we're getting into the, into the toys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who'd you model? Who'd, who'd, you, who'd you try to emulate on, on drums and also on the keyboards? You mentioned the Firecracker solo, but uh, was there anyone that you emulated, emulated on drums or tried to? No, no. I just always wanted to be a drummer like everybody. I think started beating on the school desks, and it was always what I thought I would be doing because I loved it much, but I was never able to. My mom was never able to get me the whole kit. So every year she would give me the one snare with the little symbol on it for Christmas. I'd beat the heck out of that on the front porch all day, annoying the neighbors. I got my rudiments up just by just by playing stuff, you know. I taught myself everything, bass, keys, drums. I just I got that feeling, man. I just that pocket thing, I just it's natural, you know. I've never had a lesson in my life. I just spent all my time on on instruments and on the craft of songwriting. I just fell in love with it, man. I, I still to the day. I'm I'm trapped in this studio beside a show. You know? So nobody influenced me on drums. I, I I of course I appreciated all of those guys like um my man from the Commodores, McCrary, and um of course Larry Blackman because of his heavy foot. He is one of my He's the one that really, really stuck out to me. It's like, okay, this is what drums should sound like. Because he came through with that big kick drum. Pushing that kick drum out. You know, kick drum was buried for years. Then Larry came through and put it in the front. With that word up stuff. and He's always had it up front. He's always had the drums just punching and punching and punching punching. So he was one of them. Of course, the guys that played, you know, the Ohio players guys, the guy and all that. They were they were influenced me, but I didn't I didn't play back then. I just was listening. I never played until the Reddings. Hmm. I had a drum set waiting for me in Washington D.C. That's the first time I got a chance to actually play. So every day I would go in the drum booth and play all day. And by the time we we did awakening, all of that was because I had it in here and in my spirit to play. I never had a kid. Well, never so, had a kid, and then Dexter and I put that together in about two days. The awakening. Well, and uh, Les Claypool uh, covered that, and it's he like a, a fixture, I think, of his shows. Absolutely. Yeah, were you surprised by that, or honored, or? Uh, absolutely, that is that is right up. That's that's on top right there, man. Of uh, I mean, that's the greatest compliment. That's the greatest compliment you can get, you know, a guy, a guy that's really, really, really in the business. It's a serious musician to get that kind of cover from him. That kind of, that kind of, for us, that kind of did it, you know, like, yeah, we did something. 
yeah, that's special. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that the Reddings, looking back, um, I think I know the answer to this, but got the recognition that they deserved? Um, no. Yeah, I don't think no. so either. No, we didn't get the look because, um, once again, you know, if you're out there and you've got any kind of uh, advantage, per se, just with the namesake, I really think was uh, uh, one of the things that held a lot of opportunities, maybe just because, again, I never, I, I don't think anybody ever took us serious. You know what I mean? I just really don't think they looked at us and went, I don't think they paid attention to the music enough. I think it was all about just when you hear the name and where we came from, it was like, okay, stop right there. Kind of thing. So if you have to, if you have to do it over again, do you think maybe you would go with a different band name? proud of what we did there. I'm proud of it. I'm still proud that we we didn't tarnish it. We did nothing to tarnish it. You know, it was a big heavy load to carry. Even to today, I can't get away from that. We can't walk away from who that what we did there. That's always gonna be me, a part of that. I'm quite proud of it. And I think it's I'm the best I've ever been now. So it just I I, I think I consider it like going to a university for a decade, I got a lot of everything I need to sustain myself now in this. In this, and and then I love it so much. You know, the industry has is drastically different. You know, it's drastically different now. You have to do everything yourself. You got to be your own everything. But I didn't fall out of love with it, and I think because of all of that experience and that that journey prepared me for what I what I'm doing now, because. I really feel like I'm just starting. I'm writing the best I've ever written songs. I'm, I'm still just as excited as I more than them because I didn't even pay attention then. We were just doing it. Now, it's all on me, but I got the tools to do it, and I believe that's what I have. That I take from that is that's like going to Yale and getting a degree. Just everything that we went through, you know, we didn't make a lot of money. We didn't get a lot of pub. We didn't get a lot of, you know, pats on the back at all for it. But I got an education in music. You understand? Oh, yeah. And I'm well-versed in it. And, and to this day, I step on that stage with that confidence, you know, that I will win you over before the night is over. You will be on my team. <laughs> and that's just how much I love it, man. I think that's what that did for us. All three of us, we're great together but separate, all of us are well-versed on songwriting. Well, you know, we know how to do this together. We know how to do it individually, too. Those guys can write songs, too. You know I mean? we Together, we kick butt. We got back together to do these shows a year and a half ago. We walked in the studio. It was like we didn't miss a beat. The band we hired to play. You know, we did some stuff with the Dap Kings. The Dap Kings backed us up at the Apollo. They were the house band at the Apollo. You ever heard of the Dap Kings? Yeah, Sharon, Sharon Jones and Dap Kings. Band. Yeah, she tragic with her, but yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Sharon. Um, well, they were the house band at the Apollo, so we walked yeah. in. That's cool. <laughs> we walked in and we started playing this stuff, and these guys were like, "Who's who played the drums on those albums?" And they're like, 
Mark did. They're like, okay, who played this? They're like, we did everything. So it's like, you know, we we get the respect. We get the respect. And now, you know, when people are starting to realize who did what and how much we really were involved in the songwriting process. You know, so for me, you know, I mean, I wouldn't change the name. I wouldn't change that. I think we we were looking, we were going through names when we did that. You know, we were going through the Reddings plus one, trying to fit me in. You know, we were going through featuring. And and I, I, I have to, I believe I was the one that said, hey, man, they'll know I'm here. We don't have to try to do that because there was, I think it was respect to the fact that I had already done a record before, you know, the, the Boogie Fun thing for RCA. So I already had a little name going. And, uh, and I think that's why we was trying to do that, something like that. But for me, it was, no, man, let's take this umbrella. And, and yeah, it, can't, it gets no bigger than this, man. You know, I, I, that's the challenges I love. I think that we were, like I said, too naive to know what we were getting into, but we didn't tarnish it. Yeah, I'm very proud of what we did. Absolutely, right. right. Yeah. So this show, you know, Truth and Rhythm. You know, we're going to help spread the word. Go back and check those records out again, and uh, with the knowledge gained from this conversation, yeah. and you know, appreciate it and uh, really get into it. And um, it's a rich catalog, you know. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask you specifically, Mark, I know funk is important to you. We've talked about that. And I want to ask you, you know, what is it about funk that does it for you? And why is it such an important rhythm of your life? Man, it isn't everything I do. It's in my walk. It's in my talk. It's in my. It's in my dress, man. It's almost like it's in my blood. It's in my blood, man. It's like, you know, I can't explain it, man. Let me tell you something. Everything I do is funky. It's just when I heard that record, and when I danced to it, I never looked back, man. I'm telling you, I, it's. You would ask me that question. That's the that's the that's the million dollar question right there. And I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> but it's like a, it's it's feel, man. It's a lifestyle. Thank you, because because you live in it. You live in it. You know, somewhere I believe you, you know you're a musician or you 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 you're really deep. You know, you you have knowledge of funk. Funk is not just a word. I have clothes. I have shirts. Everywhere I go, it's funk. It's funk. It's funk. They call me funk here at home. My friends call me funk. When they see me, they go, "Fuck, what's up?" <laughs> so I'm funk. Man. I am funk, man. You know, I mean, I, 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 I can, I can talk so much where I start to sound braggadocious, a little bit of e egotistical, but I think I'm that dude, man. I am. I'm that dude. Okay. The world needs, I get my chance now to tell the world that I always thought I was that dude. You know, I always thought I was that dude after my heroes. I still feel like I'm that guy. They just don't know I'm here. They don't know I'm out here. But if you go and look at YouTube and listen to me sing, you know, I don't have a lot of um, performances on there. I'm that dude, man. 
That's the way I feel about it. And it's all because of funk. I, I eat funk. Everything I do is funky. You know, the thing about it is um, a lot of it's indefinable, really. But if you, you sort of, it's almost like a, a secret club. Either you know what it is or you don't. And if you That's don't right, know. Man. Yeah. You know, I can't, I, can't just, <laughs> I can't just tell you. I can't just say it's, it, that in like one little sentence. You know, it's like. Yeah, there it is. Fuck all y'all, man. That's my label. Yep, it's it's everywhere. Everywhere I go, it's funk, baby. You know, I I, I think the world everybody needs a dose of it. You know, in their life. Oh yeah, you know, I would be carrying the flag for it. I know my entire life because um, it's just yep. the foundation. I it's the foundation I go from, man. On in everything, it's just it's it, man. It's in it's in every music. It's never gonna die. You may not, they may not acknowledge it. They may not give us charts placements anymore they may not play it they you know whatever but it's in everything it's in all the music still you know you're reaching back and you're using it underneath everything that's going on right now still funk. those tempos are still funky tempos man you know yeah you ain't fooling me it's still funk baby you know y'all call it whatever you want to call it you're gonna give you know you always got to come up with a new name and genre for things I get it, but we ain't going no place. Folks here to stay. If I got anything to do with it, <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, um, right, man. So, what are you doing right now? And how can people keep up with you? How can they see you? What's up? Well, I'm still doing shows. I have a rhythm section here at home that I tour with, travel around the the East Coast. And um, I'm always writing. I'm I'm writing for a couple of local artists here, pinning some songs on some on some people. And um, I have a bunch of new stuff myself. I put out a CD entitled um, "Cloud Nine" a couple a few years ago. Got some really good funk stuff on there. I'll, I'll get that to you. Yeah. Anything to do with the Temptations Cloud Nine or no? No, no, no. Totally. That's the name of it. It's a ballad. It's a ballad, and I titled the CD "Cloud Man," and um, and I, I'll get that to you so you can have a copy of that. It's got some. I got a, you know, I, I used to really love when James Brown did songs about food. It's a really funky song I have called "Barbecue Sauce." Pass the peas. I did a song called "Barbecue Sauce" on the Cloud Nine album that got a lot of traction when I first dropped it. It's my ode to all of my funk influences. So it's got nuances of that clavinets in there. And it's got some, I'm doing some funky worm voices in it. It's just a collage of, I just threw everything in there. And that one song that I thought was, at that time was funky. And I was just got a little. A funk gumbo. A funk gumbo. Yeah, says it. A funk gumbo is nasty. It's called barbecue songs. I really think that song got some traction. would really commercially just be all over the place. It's that kind of record, you know. So it's a lot of funky grooves. I'm just doing a whole lot of writing and, and performances and um, always getting ready to shoot a lot of videos because there's content now is the thing. So I'm going to start putting up some, some new music with videos. So I'm just trying to be all these hats, you know, that we have to wear now. And uh, 
it's it's a little bit it takes away a little bit from how I like to function. It's because I'm like, I, I get excited about shows. I, I love touring. I, I could go all year, 366 days a year. I, I want to be on the road touring. I love performing. So, but being having the manship, you know, with everything, you have to just wear so many hats these days. You know, you just have to uh, pay attention to a lot of different things, you know, owning your music and making sure that, you know, you just know the business part of it and stuff. So it's a lot, but, you know, I I, I, I refuse to be left behind, you know, technology. I, I'm up on all of that stuff. I'm using all the new toys, you know. So that's what I'm doing, man. I'm just right here, still in it, waiting for the gatekeepers to let us back in. Yeah. Hey, so where can people go though? Is there a website or a um, Facebook or? Um, well, YouTube. My YouTube channel is the Mighty Mark Lockett. Okay. Yeah, on YouTube, that's pretty much. What I've just started the content out there and put some stuff on SoundCloud. I'm just getting to that where I want to share. Um, got a lot of nice ballads out there. I'm still doing the big ballads, singing a lot of ballads. People like to hear me do them. I don't really favor them. But I do them well. And most so most of what you're doing is it under just the Mark Lockett name, or is it? Yes, Mark Lockett Music Group. Fuck all y'all music. You know, a couple banners I have going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing everything myself. Like I said, I'm manning this ship, writing all the songs. You know, producing. And I want to see some other people that are that are like Bo Ponder is from Macon, Georgia. He he grew up. He was here with Otis. He was one of Otis's backup singers. He's still around. I just wrote a couple songs for him. He's bad man to soul singers. Sounds like Otis, but hey, he can't help that. So I'm pinning song. I pinned a couple songs on him. Hopefully they'll get a little, you know, he'll he'll use them. And that's it, man. I'm just trying to spread it around and don't go away. That's hey, it. well, I don't want you to go away, man. You got to keep carrying that torch. That's right, brother. You know, I'm 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 team funk. <laughs> team funk. Yeah, hey, it's been uh, really cool again to know you, Mark. And yeah. uh, you can know, I after email, special... can I put my email address out there? Absolutely. Mark Lockett number two at gmail dot com. Mark Lockett number two at gmail dot com. Want to reach out, collab, you know, or just catch up with some pocketeers out there, man. That's what we have to do. All right, I'm. I'm hoping that uh, someday too, maybe you get out there and you know do some of those Reddings tracks too on stage. Well, yeah, I intend to. I intend to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about a lot of different things, but that's one thing I do want to do. I'm trying to get on a, a circuit here that does festivals in the South, whatever. They do a lot of the Southern Soul stuff, but um, I'm gonna let the universe line some things up. You know what I mean? You can you can you can put things together in your head all you want, but the universe has to come in there and and kind of line things up sometimes. You know what I mean? So definitely want to do that. You know, if I can't do it with the group. Definitely, I would love to do something like that. You know, they just don't know where I am, man. You know, hopefully, you know, and, and I know this will help. You know, spread the word a little bit that I'm available for shows and all of that stuff. So. Yeah, I stay ready. Stay ready to go. Very cool. And Mark, thanks so much for sharing that story. Thank and you. Uh, 
and for keeping the faith and keeping the funk alive. Yeah. You know? Um, 100%, baby. Huh, you know, when I speak to guys like him with such a connection to the funk, it feels like a brother from another mother to me. And how about the fact that the Reigns guitar player was barely hitting puberty when they first came on the scene? Mark killed it on the drums, keys, and lead vocals, but Dexter Redding on that bass was a force of nature. And Mark has a lot of irons in the fire, but I'd love to see them reunite, forge some new grooves, and hit the road. A giant thanks again to Mark Lockett for sharing his stories, and I wish him the best in whatever he does pursue. Also, sincere thank you as always to you, the viewers, for your continued interest and support in the program. Speaking of which, subscribe. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funk Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes. Of course, it's also on funkinstuff.net, the website. But uh, we need that subscription support. So get friends, family, show these R&B jazz and funk artists that you really appreciate and love what they did and they've contributed to, to all of us and enriched our lives. Also, I want to hear from you. So write me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you might want to see on the show, what you like, maybe if there's something you don't like, just to rap about music in general. I promise you'll get a prompt reply. Love to keep the dialogue going. This is your show. And if you're a, a musician yourself and you want to be on the show, also drop me a line at scotchy at funkystuff.net. And with that, as always, time to sign off. Scott Tactor GX Qualified saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.